if there's one thing that the woke fat feminists hate, it's kids. And part of me thinks that's sad because I see how depressed they get when reality hit kicks them in the ass at 45. But part of me goes, maybe that's good that we're losing that particular lineage, that that genetic strain is self-emulating. I don't know. Maybe it's good. I'm, I'm, I'm now I sound like a globalist Bill Gates. I want to eradicate that part of the population. Give them vaccines. Welcome to the New Flesh Podcast, the podcast you deserve. My name is Ricky Orpike, and joining me at this ungodly hour of 4.30am on a Wednesday morning is Jonathan Astro. John, why am I up so early? I wondered if we were going to come clean about the time. Yes, it is early, Ricky. You're up early because we have a very special guest from the US. One, Gavin McInnes is joining us very soon. Uh, and um, I don't know. What, I'll let you start. What, what do you got? What do you got to say for yourself? I, I, I think I think we were cancelled the moment you said Gavin McGuinness. <laughs> so it is. That is like the Harry Potter spell. You say it, yeah, and then it's it's done. It's done. But there have been people who've been cancelled just for talking to him. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, which is mad. Uh, so I don't know. I think or having a conversation with a person. I know, yeah, yeah. We're, we're going to lose our bank accounts. We're going to lose, you know, all sorts of things, you know, uh, social media, that's gone. Mm. I mean, that might be a blessing in disguise, but, you know. What if there's like a, a perverse, uh, you know, sort of effect where your wife thinks she's suddenly really hot, you know, and, and, and rugged and dangerous, you know? Well, that, that's a bonus, definitely. Yes, but but seriously... I think that uh, you know this. People need to to use their judgment. So uh, this is going to be um, a a you know rough and ready conversation. So if you if if you don't if you don't want that, then you know you've been warned. And I don't want to go in, into too much of a big thing about it because I've listened to some other podcasts where Jesus man, they give they give like a the biggest spiel before it like there, there there's no way but let's face it there's no way you can hedge there's no there's no disclaimer you can give because if people if bad faith people want to want to nail you they, they'll do it anyway they will yeah be like gavin don't apologize definitely yeah i i think that's the problem i think i think the antidote to cancel culture is courage culture and i think i think we need to grow a fucking spine yeah, well, you know, if your wife doesn't think you're you're hot and rugged, I certainly do now. So <laughs> uh, that's it's... well. If that, you know, if if the marriage doesn't work out, you know, <laughs> well, there you go. That's uh, that's nice. It's good to know we've got we've all got something um, to look forward to. All right, let's get into it. Let's do it. Well, we always tell you the truth here at the New Flesh Podcast, and the truth is that we need your help. We need you to leave us a rating or review wherever you listen to the show. We're also on YouTube, so please subscribe to our YouTube channel and leave a comment about the show you liked, or perhaps one that you didn't. Maybe maybe it's this one. Word of mouth is also a very powerful tool, so please tell all of your friends. And finally, to our Uber fans, if you love what we do, you can send us a little cash via the Buy Me A Coffee platform. Any donation here is very much appreciated. And now, here is Gavin McGuinness. Gavin McInnes is a Canadian writer, podcaster, and commentator. He is the, co- the host of Get Off My Lawn with Gavin McInnes, which you can find on Censored TV, censored.tv, uh, which is blocked here in Australia, seemingly, but we'll talk about that a bit later. He co-founded Vice Magazine in 1994. Yes, that Vice Magazine. He also co-founded The Proud Boys in 2016, a group he is no longer associated with. He's a punk rocker. He kickstarted the hipster movement in New York. He interviewed Kanye West 
And he's been banned by Amazon, PayPal, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, YouTube. And he was also refused a visa to visit Australia and told it was because, quote, he was judged to be of bad character. Uh, and that makes him okay with us. Gavin, welcome to the New Flesh podcast. Well, I'm happy to be here. Sorry I'm late. It's all good. These these time zones are, are, are we're literally on the other side of the world and um, pretty low down in the world rankings of everything. So we're just glad you're talking to us. Well, you're not low in the rankings of music. Holy shit balls! Every time I hear about a great new band, it's Australian. And in fact, we checked out a band the other day. I think they're called Mr. Beef. And I caught myself going, "Please don't be Australian. Please don't be Australian." Please don't be Australian. <laughs> <laughs> it's relentless. Wow. Really? And they're not woke? They're like, they're fully, they're just normal? No, like Emil and the Sniffers and uh, uh, what the, I'm on Smoko, the chats and oh. it, the list goes on and on and on. Well, that's good. That's good. That's good to hear. Now, the first question I have uh, uh, is about your producer, Ryan. So you have a diligent and talented producer called Ryan who features in your show. Also. I take umbrage with that. Ryan, are you <laughs> recording this? Is AC on? I don't think so. <laughs> Look, the question I have is, is, are you as concerned as we are that he's going to become an active shooter one morning and just take you down? No, I would murder him. I, I wondered, but, and, I, and, you know, and I have this wrestling. I, I'm like, I don't know who I want to win in that situation. Like, I'm like, no, I'm I would like, stab him. I would, <laughs> use, a, I would use weapons. <laughs> kill him. Uh, well, good. well, I'm I'm a parochial from the Commonwealth here, so I don't know much about guns. But is the threat of your disgruntled coworker bringing a gun to work real? Do, do people in offices in the US like walk on eggshells for fear of becoming a mass shooting statistic? No, maybe to a fault. Uh, there, there's total apathy about it. I mean, you you look at South Africa, which is in a, a post-apocalypse now. It's all it's beyond over, and you talk to South Africans, and they go. No, I, I love it here. I think it's great. I would never want to leave. And I go, I was going to offer to smuggle you out, get some Navy SEALs in there in the in the dead of night. And like, no, no, I love it. That's Australian. I got the accent wrong. <laughs> well, that sounds very, it, it reminds me of uh, that, that writer, J.G. Ballard. I mean, he would love that sort of stuff, uh, that dystopia, like, like, like falling in love with dystopia, you know. Yeah, well, I don't know how, how durable this analogy is and how long we can stretch it out, but I know in South Africa, they love that they have servants. So on, on lower middle class salary, you can have a gardener, a maid bringing you beers, a, a cook that lives in the house constantly cooking for you. So you live the life of an aristocrat at, you know, 40 US, 40K US a year. I think that gets irresistible. But you got to understand with America, um, there's 340 million of us here. And... Yeah, there's there's 20 black men are killed by black men every day, but that's in the south side of Chicago, in Baltimore. You know, it's 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 dangerous in certain areas at night. But as far as lunatics going postal, I mean, the odds are much higher you'll get hit by a car on the way to work, no matter how, you know, how even if things quadrupled. Uh, I think we, sh we should ask this question. Uh, what's your overall view of Australians? Don't pull your punches. We can take it. Tell us what we need to hear. Baggots. <laughs> uh, you know i used to think australia 20 years ago was the last bastion of masculinity and i loved you know the shirley's sit at that end of the bar and the blokes sit on this end of the bar if the shirley's are even allowed in the bar yeah i always thought that was really cool and uh but the, the sort of anti-gun stuff and then the covid fascism 
it just changed my view of Australia. It, it went from the sort of free loving wilderness to a, a Chinese dystopia. I mean, and same with New Zealand, like the, the way you, you guys treated your own people was abhorrent and shameful during COVID. So do people think we're cucks now? Yes, yes. Oh. I mean, there was some riots. That was good to see. Yes. But uh, yeah, the, the, it, the abuse from the government was, was really bad. But the, the, um, the eagerness with which the police took orders and carried out orders was disturbing. And then, of course, worst of all, was the neighbor snitching on neighbors thing. And not that America was, this was a bastion of, of anti-communist rule, but, but I think like the, the Canada had the, the trucker rebellion. We had people fighting, you know, getting arrested for keeping their gyms open. It's hard to compare Australia and, and America. There's, it's apples and oranges. Um, but um, yeah, I'm just telling you personally that I, I, it really sort of marred Australia in my eyes. Mm. Well, what, what one thing that, that, that people, uh, a lot of people don't realize, like we, we are a product of convicts, but we are also a product of our jailers as well. So you've always got that dynamic of, you know, of the jailers. Do you really think there's, there's prisoner DNA running around in you? <laughs> well, not, not in me, because I know my ancestry, you know, is, is Dutch and, you know, immigrated after World War II. I've, but, I've got some prisoner, I think. I think. Yeah. Maybe. I haven't looked into it. Only also, boring people look into it. <laughs> It's not all genetic, too. It becomes cultural. Like the origin of, of America is using guns to, to fight back. I, I don't see it as a as a America kicking out the British. I see it as the working class Brits rising up against the elite elitist Brits. It was a British civil war in many ways, the American Revolution. And uh, so then that becomes an, an inexorable part of the country's heritage. And now, even if you're a Canadian like me who moved here in the 90s, you still pick up on that gun culture because it's what made the country. I mean, the reason America was able to gain independence is they hid in the trees with guns. You can't take that away from a, a people's heritage. So even if you're not genetically part of the ancestry of America, which very few Americans seem to be, it's, I can still see it being in your culture. So I could see you guys still having the prisoner mentality. And yeah, I like the analogy that jailers, jailers you know, can pussy whip even the toughest of convicts. We love rules. We just love to follow rules. And we mm. like trying to calm down and just, you know. Well, there's de it definitely showed us that communism can thrive anywhere. Some people want to be told what to do. Not everyone loves freedom. Look at the Middle East. We've, we've lost tens of thousands of men over there trying to show them how to be free. And they don't want it. They don't like freedom. It's, they don't see it as an asset. I've just looked at your background, Gavin. Are we, is this the, I feel like even though this is audio only, uh, dear listener, there's, uh, uh, this is the mailbag segment. Of, of your show it is the mailbag segment we I, could do i'm living gay. in i'm on gavin's mailbag <laughs> right now you could be you could be could do gay backgrounds we could do <laughs> hey. uh, well john you do live in sydney so that's yes. my pet biden our re retard president uh, <laughs> this is great this is like yeah. the tour i wanted <laughs> yeah i can give you this guy's this video asset if you want put it up somewhere i don't know when, when, when we go video, we'll have to steal it. Yeah. So, so Gavin, I, I think you must be one of the most cancelled persons in America. Perhaps you and Alex Jones share that title. You, you can't use social media. You've been debanked. Uh, you can't use MailChimp. Uh, Alex Jones calls it being trapped in the phantom zone. What got you banished to this phantom zone and, and who did you kill? Uh, 
it wasn't my content. It, it, they make allegations of racism and stuff, but they do that to everyone. You know, it's like the right does that to the left with pedophilia. The thing is, the right is often correct and the left is always wrong about their allegations. Um, so that's what it's, they say to make things easier for the layman. But I think what happened was the Proud Boys became powerful and popular and they became an asset for Trump in the sense that they made Trump seem cool and fun and exciting. And that got young people interested in Trump. And so that had to be stopped. Simultaneously, this is now I'm talking about 2016, 2017, um, Antifa was ruining the left's brand and they were coming up to the midterms. They needed right-wing violence. So they took Proud Boys behavior, which was just Proud Boys defending old ladies and fighting Antifa if Antifa picked a fight. It's called the fuck around and find out mentality. And, uh, you know, Proud Boys never started fights. They always finished them. But they, ch they changed that narrative into, oh, Proud Boys are just randomly beating up people they disagree with. Well, no, it's not random. You started it. And then people they disagree with became blacks, gays, trannies, women, whatever. And they made it into this evil street gang. And now they're facing fucking life in prison for January 6th, the ones that were there. And uh, that narrative is why I'm canceled. The, the narrative is that I'm so powerful that if you give me a voice, there'll be prison riots. And th they use that too with guys in, with the Proud Boys in prison. Like Joe Biggs is in lockdown because if they allow him to be with the normal prison population, he'll somehow, you know, gin up the troops and start a prison riot and everyone will die. So they imbue you with this false superpower of I'm Moses and I can command the masses. And once they imbue you with that, they can deny you the right to exist because it's for everyone's safety. I suppose we're interested to know what it's what it's like day to day being can cancelled uh and because though all of those things we, we we listed um it's hard to not uh engage with those things all those platforms and and money you know like so i mean ha ha and also i suppose you know, i mean do you experience uh any effects of this uh in real life or is this just an online thing how does it work well in real life i gotta have my head on a swivel because this narrative is so powerful that I'll be walking down the street and someone will go, you're that Nazi fuck and want to fight or something. So I have to be prepared for that. I have to sit with my back, you know, at the restaurant. I have a plan with my kids where if anything goes down, you know, they go there and wife goes there and all that stuff. I won't announce it. Um, and, uh, so that's tense, you know, but New York is living in New York for half my life. It's such a violent shithole that you're already sort of used to that, not looking at your phone and not wearing headphones when you walk down the street, you got to be alert at all times. But as far as like not being able to go on Twitter, you got you got to understand I'm old. So I was doing this in the late 80s when you would send cassette tapes to people in Europe and trade music and read fanzines and get on mailing lists, you know. And so when I was canceled, I, it wasn't the end of the world for me the way it would be for a millennial or a Zoomer. And uh, I was able to start my own website with a paid subscription service and then go and do shows like we we, we did a comedy show in uh, in Baltimore last week and we just announced it the day of so people can't shut it down. And we got like 200, 300 people there joking around. We partied after meet and greet, you know, where there's a will, there's a way. And the, the important thing you have to remember, and I always end all my shows with this, I say, get in trouble, get fired, get in trouble, be brave and never stop fighting. 
they don't really attack me anymore. They consider me, you know, extinguished. But I know that a lot of the left was very frustrated by my my inability to quit. And I've always said that to my kids too. McKinnises don't quit. They get fired. And uh, I, uh, I was talking to a reporter at the New York Times once. He's a Proud Boys reporter, Alan Froyer. And he said, I know you were at January 6th. And I go, shut the fuck up, you idiot. I'm screaming at him in the car, even though I got kids in the car. And uh, I go, he goes, I have pictures of you there. I know who you are. I've, I've met you. And I go, I know you know who I am, you idiot. What do you want me to do? Okay, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to send you a picture of my ear. And you can compare my ear to his ear. And you tell me it's the same guy. And I'm, but I'm saying that very loud and using a lot of epithets. And uh, he said he let it slip. He let the curtain open for a second. And he said, I got to hand it to you, man. You just won't give up. Now, why oh. is a journalist saying uh. that about participation in a riot? I thought you just want to get to the truth, right? All the news that's fit to print. That's the New York Times motto. But you said, man, you just won't give up. That's like, a, you know, a mobster who's trying to extort a business and they keep smashing the window to get the protection money. And he just keeps putting the window back up. And the extortionist goes, I can't, why wouldn't you just pay us? You keep fixing this window. Seated that he is an extortionist. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I can't stop thinking about it, to be honest. That's, that, that, that just shows you what's really going on. Uh, and, um, but the scary thing is, you know, what about the people who, who, who just don't have your, your tenacity or your, your grit? You know, what, what, what about those people? So if they, if they, they kill themselves. Yeah, I can take it. I'm I'm Glaswegian genetically, so I can take a beating. But yeah, no one talks about the people who don't have this fight, who don't have this background, who can't build their own website and then have you know the, enough notoriety to be able to to charge people and they'll pay, right? But the, remember that guy it was in the Midwest somewhere, and it was during a Black Lives Matter riot, and they they were they had guns and they were holding back the mob from their store. This guy was a vet. I think it was. Uh, uh, Desert Storm or Afghanistan or something. Anyway, they attack his dad. So he pushes the guy, black guy, off his dad, and that makes the mob angry. And he goes, get back, get back. The black guy jumps him, and he shoots the guy. Clear case of self-defense. He had no choice. But they started calling him racist. Uh, they they firebombed his, his store. His restaurant had to shut down. And, uh, yeah, what's his name? Omaha bar owner. What's his name? James Skurlock. Um, and the, the constant racist allegation, which in this day and age, I cannot stress enough how how much of a scarlet letter that is. I mean, you know, it's the same in Australia, I'm sure. But like Jeffrey Dahmer, they're doing a documentary on him and he found out about it and he called them, he contacted them from prison and said, I want you guys to know that I ate black people because I lived in a black neighborhood. I'm not racist. <laughs> <laughs> Cannibal's fine. That's true. But don't go you racist. <laughs> and the allegation just chipped away at his soul and he killed himself. And then you had that other, there was a, a, a principal in Toronto recently who they were having a seminar, this dumb diversity seminar. Oh, yes, I've they, heard of this. Yes. And they said Canada's even more racist than America, which you got to know, Canadians see America as one giant clan rally. So to say <laughs> it's more racist than America is like saying... Uh, I don't know. Jazz is blacker than fucking uh, hip hop. What a stupid analogy. Anyway, um, and he couldn't take the allegation. He had worked so hard to be seen as non-racist that he killed himself. You know, a lot of people on this sort of new right, they lose their shit because it's brutal. 
Well, Gavin, what, what's it like to have friends turn their back on you, if, if you don't mind me asking, you know, especially high-profile ones? That's an interesting subject, and I, I, it goes into categories, I've noticed. Like, I just had a friend from my old punk days in the 80s. I re-released our old music. Anal Chinook was the band. <laughs> and I, we've been friends for 40 years. And I tracked him down, and I said, hey, I put up the music. And he's like, I don't know why you're calling me here, and don't come by the bar. Oh, Wow. And, and you go, that's weird because you know me. Like we, we were children together. And you, I say this to other guys and, they, and then I realize I'm not blowing any minds here. We've seen siblings turn on each other. Like big sisters who used to change their baby brother's diaper and now everyone's in their 40s and the sister's not speaking to him. So I, I'm not new to this, right? I'm not the only one. Uh, so there's that category when they know you well and even like used to make inappropriate jokes and were even may maybe more racy than you. And they are disgusted. That one's shocking because they believe the media over you. Then there's the ones that are famous and you get, well, it's ruin your career and be my friend or don't. Like David Cross is a famous guy. We he used to have these great Christmas parties and it became clear that if I keep going to them, no one else will come to them. And then it'll hurt his career and stuff. So those you're not even that mad at, you're like, I'm not asking you. Like Joe Rogan, he canceled all our podcasts, but he got $90 million. I'd probably cancel his podcast for $90 million. <laughs> but that means you're by proxy, your $90 million. That's, that's like, that's what you're worth. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's how much they would charge in a ransom if I was kidnapped. <laughs> hey, kidnappers out there, you want to get rich? I'm your guy. But yeah, it's, it's like you got your family, right? And I think men are very different than women. My, my, my wife's best friend, her entire life dumped her because of me. And when she tried to impose logic, like, what do you want me to do? Divorce him? Then the kids don't have a dad. And, you know, you hate him because of the Proud Boys. What are they, anti-Semitic? You know, there's Proud Boys Israel, right? And they weren't interested in any of those facts. They were just like, fuck you. So she was very emotional about it and destroyed him. My kids had their friends turn on them, and that was much worse. But I think when you're a grown man with a family, you don't value friendship the way those other two groups do. Like we're the kind of guys, we have a friend at our local and then you're, you're putting him in your phone and you go, it's been a year and you go, so wait, what's your name? You know, you know, it's like fat Eddie <laughs> and he's like Edward Thoroughgarden. And you're like, Oh shit, that's a long one. How do you spell that? <laughs> like, I don't know my friends at my pub. I don't know if they're married, if they have kids, I don't know what their job is half the time. I don't care. Yeah. We, we say this all the time. We, we say we don't have any friends. We just do this podcast, play with our kids, and that's it. And there's something wrong with you if you're a grown man. First of all, if you're not married with kids, I'm like, grow the fuck up. I can't hang out with grown men without kids because I'm just like, what are you doing? Like, what are you waiting for? They're just or they're, all, they're, all, all they're doing is looking up weirder and weirder porn. Yeah, and I <laughs> I got this buddy who owns a bar in the Bronx, and he, he he's got a beautiful house out on uh and near Rockaway Beach. We have beaches in in New York, believe it or not. And uh, I'm looking at his awesome house. He, he got it refurbished after the Katrina, uh, after Sandy, sorry. And uh, I'm like, he's 60 years old and he's never been married. And he just, he owns a bar, he fucks bar flies. And I go, I don't know how to break this to you, Greg, but you're living the life of a fag. <laughs> like that's a gay lifestyle, banging random people with no connections whatsoever. Like, okay, you're a great home. Gavin, at least this guy, you know, sort of has a has a bar and is a little bit cool. Like, like, like the other people are just gaming and, you know, just watching porn. 
and comic books. I hate it. Yeah, and, and the average video game player is 35 years old, and they don't seem to understand that you're getting these fake endorphins when you play Call of Duty because your brain thinks you just rescued your buddy. Uh, you didn't. So when you leave your console and walk out, your brain is confused. And it goes, what happened to you? You, you used to be a warrior. You were just in Afghanistan carrying two dudes on your back. And now you're like going to the bodega in your PJs to get a chocolate milk. What? And so now you're depressed. <laughs> so you're, you're, you're like mind raping yourself. And it's the same with porn. Your brain goes, holy shit, you're Attila the Hun. You fucked like three tens today. I'm going to release some endorphins. But if you stop, prepare for some whiplash. Because when I find out you're a dork, I'm going to get real depressed. Because mm. you used to be a god just three hours ago. So it's this up and down of these fake highs. And it... It becomes like a roller coaster of self hatred. Well, you you were on a, a podcast uh, fairly recently, Friday Night Tights or whatever, whatever it's called, and uh, you know fairly big influences in that field. And and but they're all everyone should listen to it. It's quite funny. Um, you you sort of took them all to task and and confronted them with their grotesque obsession with with games and comic books. And you you just you're doing God's work. You were just saying like. Oh, I wouldn't know about that game because I don't like, you know, I'm not a child or I wouldn't know about that movie because I'm not, you know. Yeah, I can't comment on the Barbie movie. I'm a grown man. <laughs> but the ultimate thing you said was, and this, this, and I think this kind of got to them, I, I think, because you said, you, you jokingly said, oh, geez, you know, what, what, has anyone seen, did anyone see Peppa Pig last night? Oh, geez. Right. Sucks. Yeah, it was no good. Oh, and I changed, I changed over Teletubbies and that was no good too. And you, that's what's really going on. Right. Well, they'll talk about how much can Batman lift? And I'm like, I don't know how much, <laughs> however much you draw him lifting. He's a drawing. How much can a drawing lift? I don't know. If you see the old Iron Brew commercials in Scotland, he can lift an entire putting green. It's fictional, you fuckheads. And that guy, one of their arguments was so bizarre. He said, you're the reason that we're in these culture wars, people like you, because I wasn't backing him when he was fighting wokeism in Batman, and then it left Batman and went everywhere. That's just patently false. You think you are the like Jerusalem? You're the the Bethlehem of the woke movement? Yes, there was a there was GamerGate, there was other things, but this was a tsunami that swept in from PC started in the '90s, really, and we kept it at bay with the dam. But the dam broke in a hundred different places. It wasn't just gaming and Batman. It was education. It was the justice system. It was the elections. It was the media. It was the top brass of the police, the military. It's everywhere. It's, it's very myopic and naive to think that your stupid gaming world was ground zero for the culture wars. Grow up. <laughs> Gavin, do, do you think these sorts of people that, that are really into gaming and, and who don't get married and don't have kids, that they'll eventually just become extinct? Yeah, I hope so. I hope my grandchildren don't have to deal with these fucking losers. And, you know, if there's one thing that the woke fat feminists hate, it's kids. And part of me thinks that's sad because I see how depressed they get when reality hit kicks them in the ass at 45. But part of me goes, maybe that's good that we're losing that particular lineage, that that genetic strain is self-emulating. I don't know. Maybe it's good. I'm, I'm, I'm Now I sound like a globalist Bill Gates. I want to eradicate that part of the population give them vaccines <laughs> well one thing i've noticed uh being a parent now i've got a kid who's who's five 
that you get to relive your childhood when you have kids, you know? Yeah. And well, you know you don't count as a dad yet, right? Why's that? One is for losers, two <laughs> is for fags, three is a bare minimum. You can only start being Mr. Dad at like three to five. I got some, I got some work to do. I was going to save this question to the end, Gavin. I told my wife I was going to ask you this, but it's come up. So I've got one kid. Do you think I should have, do you think I should have another kid? Dude, you basically have zero kids. If you can have a date night, <laughs> you're not a dad. If you can have a life, you're not a dad. If you can play pickleball, you're not a dad. But she's, she's sort of on the fence. She's like, oh, but I've got, you know, I was, you know, so how can I can convince her? She's like a bit of a boss. Bitch, Rape her. You know? literal screaming rape ah help get off me i know what you but mean. uh you know it's as close to that as you can without destroying your marriage and going to jail <laughs> yeah all right but <laughs> i was an only child till i was 14 and i'll tell you what it's fucking boring oh my god is it boring when your friends can't come out to play i used to hate christmas the most because no one could come out until you know 2 3 p.m you open your presents you're all excited you open your presents from like seven to eight now i got eight nine ten eleven twelve one two six hours of hanging out with two old people and i would even say like you want to keep them two years apart i have a 16 year old a 15 year old and then i waited five years for a 10 year old and the 10 year old's witty enough now but like when he was four and the other kids were eight and ten he was like a little alien to them you know, he wasn't part of the crew. So yeah, you got to just keep churning them out every two years at least. And you want to make an army. You'll notice, by the way, when you talk to a crazy family, like eight kids, six kids, 10 kids, they never go, oh, it was hell. So many of us crammed into a house. They always, I always ask them about dinner because I'm fascinated with how you make dinner for 12 people every fucking day. That must be insane. But, you know, they're happy to talk about it. They're like, oh, you have a system. And then one does the dishes. The mom told me, she goes, it's hard making all the lunches and the dinners. But she goes, I haven't done a chore in 20 years. So they're always happy about it. They always tell you how fun it was. All right. Well, uh, Eddie, if you're listening, uh, it's time. What, what do you mean? How old is? Is your wife. Oh, just, she won't like me saying that. Look, all, all I've got to Late all, 20s, early 30s? It's... No, it, it it'll be closer to it'll it'll be getting to Bridget Nielsen sort of stuff. Like if we do it, like you know, like this is the last shot. Like if we do it, it's got to happen like now. Oh, straight. We're like forties, then that's gets that gets a little dangerous. Mm, there you go. That's when you get the weird kids that 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 you assume are homeschooled, but they're not. Got a little, <laughs> you know, those kids who, who talk to adults like their peers. Uh, they, yeah. Comes up, he's like, Gavin. So, well, what do you do now? You're in media, is that correct? I'm like, <laughs> get away from me, weird little adult. <laughs> All right. Well, it sounds like there's some more discussion to, to, to add. Like you fucked up, and the ship has sailed. To be frank. Well, well, Gavin, you you mentioned the word feminism just a minute ago. Like we we've talked a lot about the trans issue on this show, and we've interviewed quite a few gender critical feminists on the topic. And through that, surprisingly, we've built a bit of a feminist following on this show, at least until this episode drops, that is. <laughs> so, in, in addition to calling yourself a, a Western chauvinist, which I'd, I'd love to get your take on, you, you also consider yourself a feminist. So you've got to explain yourself here. Well, feminism was good for women. I don't know when, actually. I was going to say when it got them the vote, but they fucked that up pretty bad, didn't they? Um 
I think feminism on a global scale is important, you know, in the Middle East and everything where they're second class citizens. But as far as the West goes, I, I would say there was an argument for 70s feminism where it said, you know, you're a single mom. You should have the right to work. You should have the same rights. You're not just secretaries. If you're a genius and you want to be an oncologist and you thrived at STEM and in school, then, of course, there should be no barriers whatsoever. And I'm behind that. Right. But those. Those freaks we're discussing are maybe 5% of women. Now it's 95% of women should pursue a career and 5% should stay at home to the point where the ones who stay at home are embarrassed. And they say, what do you do? Oh, I'm in marketing. And that's not, that's cool. We're supposed to be proud of that. Oh, I, I don't know. I uh, manage an investment firm. Oh, great. Thanks. You're a money babysitter. And then the last one will go, I, I just a stay at home mom. And the way they always say it too, they're like, they shrug, like I'm a stay at home mom. And, oh, you create life and shape life and you're shrugging next to a woman who puts Facebook posts up about her stupid marketing company? Like you're far superior. So I think modern feminism is actually anti-woman because it, it, it denigrates that 95%. I mean, sorry, it, well, it tortures that 95%, but it denigrates that 5% of women who become stay-at-home moms and follow their instincts. And then it makes the other 95 go to work when it doesn't really want to. 5% of women are Maggie Thatcher and uh, the chick on Shark Tanks who's good with real estate, Barbara Corcoran. That, they exist, don't get me wrong. But we've denied women their own facility by forcing a male lifestyle. And you see them in the workforce and they suck. All they do is complain. They talk about how they want to get home. They miss their kids. Talk to a woman about dropping her kids off at daycare and the weird like twitches she, get. she gets as nature is going, this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong. It, we've tortured them. We've forced them into the workforce. And for what? So they can be a bitch boss? Ugh. Yes, it's only when, when, now that my my wife, I get to see my wife as a mother and she's had a kid, I've realized, because I think I'd bought into that whole just denigrating mothers and everything for when I was much younger. And I'm embarrassed now because I see how magnificent she is and, and how also how ridiculously inept I am. Like I am constantly screwing up. Like the other night, just like gave the kid a bottle, fell asleep in the bed with the bottle, just drenched the kid and the and the, the bed. Like, you know, just like. But, but that, that's the beauty of a mother and a father. Like the, your kid's young. It's she, Z, I don't know, they, is in the nurturing stage. So she has to be the dominant one. But you're going to be needed for discipline soon. And moms aren't good at that. And you need both. I always tell this story about this kid at the airport. I was in the booth next to him in the stall in the bathroom. And he'd shit himself. And his dad was mad at him and he, as he cleaned the shit off his seven-year-old, six-year-old's legs. And the kid was crying. He's like, what the matter with you? For fuck's sake, you can't. Oh my God, it's everywhere. Think about it. You didn't even tell me I had to go to the bathroom. So then they clean him up and then he goes back to the gate and he's with his mom and he's, his mom's holding him. And I'm like, yeah, they're both right. One, don't shit your pants, you idiot. Two, sometimes you shit your pants. <laughs> <laughs> and it'd be nice if, if someone cared about me. Like, I would feel the same way if I shit my pants. I'd be like, you dummy, what's the matter with you? Now you got to take your underwear off. But I'd also be like, hey, I, you get a wet fart once a year. I'm not, it's not the end of the world. <laughs> that's what moms and dads. So you're in the mom phase of, of parenting where she's dominant. But yeah, even as you get older, like the, the moms plan the trips and they have the traditions, movie night, whatever, barbecue tonight. That becomes the culture of the family. And what's a, what's a country without culture? China's getting pretty close to that. And that's just a bunch of ants. It's worker drones. 
countries need culture and families need culture. And I would argue that a country's culture is really the molecules of that are a bunch of tiny family cultures that accumulate. And then that becomes the country's culture. Barbecue is a great example. I just said barbecue night. What do we have on the July 4th? The whole country has barbecue day. Well, Gavin, what, what's your view on like, like same sex couples having kids then? You know, their, their, their parenting would be very different. Yeah, it's wrong. And gay marriage and gay adoption, I used to be for them, but I was hoodwinked. It's a trick. Gay adoption has become surrogates and you choose the eye color, you choose all these different, uh, um, um, basically you're shopping for a, a rare, you know, a horse breed and you choose the hair, the IQ, the gender, there's a gay couple suing a, a hospital now at surrogacy because they got the wrong gender. Yuck. They got a girl. Ew. Makes me kind of worried about what they plan to do with the boy. Um, and so when you have a surrogate, you're creating an orphan from scratch that wasn't there. The pitch I got was it's an orphan. No one wanted her. She's sitting in the orphanage eating porridge and the gays come in and go, we'll see what we can do with this. That's a good pitch. I fell for that, but that's not what it panned out to be. It's this designer kids. And yeah, two, two lesbians, they, they try to play catch with their kid. They suck at it. And two dads are equally useless. And the, it's the same with gay marriage. That was pitched to me as we want to try being traditional. We're born gay, and I believe that. Um, but we want to fix it as much as we can and have a traditional marriage in, in a society. And go, that sounds really cool. I'm in. You know, at least you're trying. And then it's torturing gay, I mean, torturing uh, uh, Christian bakers and saying you have to make this, suing marriage venues for not wanting to do it, just really just terrorizing Christians is what it turned out to be. And, you know, almost none of them actually want kids and they cannot handle monogamy. So like a year into gay marriage, like we're going to try this thing called no kids and we get to fuck whoever we want. And you're like, okay, but those are the two main things of marriage. So I don't know why you fought so hard for this. Your heart's not in it. Well, a uh, lot to cover. Uh, so we're, we're just going to have to blast on through. Uh, this is a hard Wait, pivot. Can I interrupt you? You asked me about Western chauvinism. Yes. And I, I use that with Proud Boys kind of as a trick because most people don't know what, the, what chauvinism means. It means intense patriotism and pride, usually for your country. But it could be you could be a sexist. And in that case, you're a male chauvinist. You could be a football chauvinist where you think baseball and basketball are stupid. I'm a Western chauvinist, and I think most of us are, if we're honest, because I think I know the West is the best, and I don't see other cultures as different. I see them as shittier. The East is, you know, Russia, Eastern Europe, China, garbage, not interested. And everyone calls it a racist thing. Like, it's just a, it's a, what do they call it, a dog whistle for white supremacy. The West, when you think of it, you think of, like, Europe and America, which is mostly white, I guess. And when they think of the East, you think of China and Russia. So... Only one of those guys is a minority and no one really thinks of Chinese as like, oh, I hate that race. That's not really a thing. So I don't know how they managed to crowbar race into it. The West is about freedom and grit and individuality. And if you want to come here and work hard and, and have the right mentality, then we're for you. It's about personal freedom. It's about, you know, having a set of values that go back to the, what's it called? The Manacorda, <laughs> that first constitution. Magna Carta. Magna Carta, yeah. That kind of a, a mentality. And other countries don't have that and don't want it, more importantly. 
well, I actually learned about the word chauvinism from your show years ago. I think you, you talked about it, and I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> so that, that's where I learned about it. Uh, but um, uh, the, some of the things you've just said do feed into the the question I'm going to ask because you you are a creative person, you're a creator, and I'm going to say you definitely. I, I I believe you are an artist, and and you've made successful creative ventures on on more than one occasion. Um, and and some of those values you just you just talked about um, about individualism and and whatnot, uh, I think pertain to this. What's your advice on on making a ruckus and and cutting through in in creativity? You know, Sarah Silverman of all people, before she was woke, she said, "My job when I write a joke is to think, is this funny? I have to tune out every other facet. Will this offend people? How could this be construed?" Uh, will people think I'm talking about this person? I have to block all of that out and just have this laser beam focus on, is this funny? And I think that's true of writing jokes, but I think it's true of, you know, creating all content or even doing the news, commenting on, on the news, you know, being in the culture wars. Is this true? Is this honest? Don't take the bait, be able to kill your darlings and just say the truth, no matter how hard it is. And, and, there's a lots of distractions there. Like recently, Vice went bankrupt for going woke. And they, they thought it's a great time for me to gloat. I had been away from that company for 17 years. So it would be a dumb card trick for me to pretend that they went under because they fired me. But I could have taken that bait, but that would have been dishonest. So even if it helps your brand, you know, don't, don't be, um, don't be uh, phony. Don't be fake. Don't lie. Just tell the truth. No matter how much it hurts, there's two genders. And you'll notice that the left doesn't want to debate us anymore because they don't have the courage of their convictions. So they want to call me a racist, things that I don't feel like arguing about because they're not true. I'd love to debate Islam. I'd love to debate that most women are happier at home. I'd love to debate that the educational system should be 90% recess up until they're 10 years old. I've got tons of radical beliefs. I, I don't think that the Muslim population can get over 10% in a city without there being trouble. That sounds pretty controversial and even bigoted, but they never take those because they don't know anything about that and they, they can't discuss it. So they turn us into pariahs and say, don't give them a platform. What they mean is don't get in the ring with them or you'll get knocked out. So yeah, my advice would be, I mean, I could go on for this for days, but my, my short, the short answer is uh, just be brutally honest, even with yourself. But the bigger answer is like get in shape, um, you know, get married, you know, don't quit your job unless you have something better planned, take up a combat sport, you know, eat right, eat less processed food, quit porn, porn is, it rots your mind, quit video games, read, uh, spend more time with your family. I mean, there's a million things, basically be a traditional 60s dad. Well, I, I find that, that, that most people are trapped in a kind of safety or, or, you know, and risk aversion when it comes to creative work. You know, there's so many bores out there that are making content, you know, especially political content. Like, how do you get through or, or, or past these people? They seem to be everywhere. You got to mock them. You know, Dave Rubin has that book, steal this book or burn this, don't burn this book. And you go, oh, this is going to be a controversial book. It's the most uncontroversial piece of crap I've ever seen in my life. It's like we should have free speech and that we should be able to have guns. Yeah, it's in the Constitution, bro. You're not blowing any minds here. This is what 70% of the country believes if they're honest with themselves. So, yeah, it's, it's so much of the right 
is this milk toast provocation where they choose easy targets like college students and tell them that, you know, America isn't more racist today than it was a hundred years ago. That's not interesting to me. I, you got to challenge yourself when you're doing this. And when someone is weak, they should be roundly mocked. You know, this is like old Australian rules of wedgies and, and shoving someone's that that's not a knife. This is a knife. <laughs> we need to, we need to bring back masculinity and, and ridicule people. Well, we, we also complain about, because we talk about art and creativity and our, our big thing is no one talks about art anymore. I mean, yeah, what, what you, you just, the best part of that podcast you did with those geeks was you talking to that other guy about uh, in very in great detail about punk music, you know, and it was you guys talking about art. It was something beyond politics because it seems like today anyone people are only talking about politics. And I remember a time when I only we only talked about movies, books, and music really, and we we didn't we didn't really care about about politics. Um, even that that song that Richmond uh, North of Richmond is being talked about in a very literal way by by political commentators no one's going well it's a piece of art it works emotionally you know you don't have to it's not a, a 12 point plan of something um and this quote came to me that something you said in one of your interviews you said art is god's reminder which i thought was quite nice uh which is yeah. a nice quote could you maybe talk to us about art and and and, and are we starved of art we're starved of art and if you recall when we were kids well, i'm probably older than you but in the 70s and 80s like talking about bands and music and books, that was lowbrow. You were already, you weren't talking about, you know, architecture or fine art or, you know, different artistic movements over time. Now we've gone way below that. Now the discussion on art is Batman. And uh, <laughs> that's embarrassing. Like, There's five Batman as well. There's like different. Yeah, which different which Batman's the best? Batman. I'll, I'll call them Batman from now on. Um <laughs> But Paul Joseph Watson and Tucker Carlson and um, uh, there's some Twitter accounts that talk about the decay of architecture and how beautiful it was and how inspired it was, not just in the Victorian era, but, you know, you look at, at the Industrial Revolution and they were inspired by Egyptian, you know, monuments. In, and it would just be some factory in East London inspired by, you know, the Taj Mahal or something. And... Uh, it's very important we get back to that because when we don't have any sense of beauty, we don't really care about our survival or our culture and we have no nationalism, no patriotism. It's, it's just, my building's just a big cube. Like, why would I give a shit about it? And I think that's why the education system is so bad because if they can keep us reading about the Batman, then we're, <laughs> we're easily manipulated and moved around and we have no cohesion or sense of family. You're not gonna stand your ground if your ground is a DC comic book, you don't feel any any um, any uh, uh, allegiance to it, and and I think God made that. That's why God had art because He was saying, "Don't let them do that to you." And one thing I, I find is is irrefutable proof about that is the randomness of who He gives it to. Like you'd think if everything was was just nature it was nurture over nature then all the rich kids who go to art school would be really good at drawing and then everyone else would suck because they had the training but it's not like that you'll you'll see some kid in a village in the congo with his cheap charcoals doing perfect photorealist drawings of hands and faces and feet and the proportions are all perfect because he got the divine intervention little sprinkles do the loop and it, you see that with comedy, just random people chosen. 
You can work hard at comedy and have an okay career, but there's certain guys like Louis C.K. where you just go, that guy has the touch. And then there's music, just like the uh, uh, Oliver Anthony guy, where he's just singing a song about West Virginia. And you're like, no, no, you're not someone who practiced guitar a lot. You're someone who had the little dupe. And that's God leaving his calling cards everywhere. And he's saying, you know, care about this this world I created for you. It's It's beautiful. And without art, you don't have beauty. And without beauty, you don't really have life. And I think the powers that be want us to be apathetic about life because then they can extinguish us. They can move us. They can put us in pods. And we have to fight against that. And that's why this sounds trivial, but I fight for stupid, retarded jokes, like my color commentary. I fight for that because that's my personal hill to die on. And it's like Beavis and Butthead. I would go to war for Beavis and Butthead. And that sounds dumb, but that kind of idiotic banter is an integral part of our culture and, and our color. Here's an example. I was talking to this guy on the show and he, he just adopted some kids and he was a foster parent for four years. He could have lost them at any moment. And now they're his, they're changing their names. They had stupid crackhead names. Um, and so the segment was getting a little saccharine because I was almost crying and I was happy for him and it was getting a little too lifetime network. So I said, you're probably going to cry tomorrow, aren't you? You fucking fag. And then I said, Hey kids, your new dad's a fag. Uh, when they put that on YouTube, they cut that part off. <laughs> but anyone with a brain could easily see my joke and understand. I'm not literally saying you're a homosexual cause you're crying. I'm making a joke that we all felt like crying. And if you really want to get into the nitty gritty of it, which I don't like doing, the joke was clearly a parody of homophobia. Mm. So by you removing that joke, and I'm not mad at the guy who did it, he did it so it would stay on YouTube, but in a culture where that can't be seen, now you're taking away nuance and you're making my segment just this Soviet segment where I said, I am happy for you that you are adopting these kids. Have a great life, you and the kids. Without any color on top, you know, without any cherry on the, on the martini. Well, well, Gavin, you can rest sure we're not going to cut one, one goddamn word of this whole thing. It's all staying in. But, um, but, but, but say I said something horrific, right? Like I said, all blacks have to go back to Africa. The last thing you should do is cut that out. That now the conversation's extinct. Now you go, wait, what are you talking about? Yes. Like, what about mixed race couples? Do they have to get divorced? What about mulatto kids? What if someone's an eighth? Uh, this, what, so what if they, how do they get there? Cruise ships? Where do they stay? What countries? Like, I want to know more about this crazy view. But no, don't don't even discuss it. Well, it's funny you should say about about uh, you know sort of humor and and uh, sort of frat boy humor and stuff. Like, I, we, we talk about this as well. Like, do you think we're missing a bit of a, 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 a mixing cultures here? So yeah, we're missing that a bit of that national lampoons vibe. We're missing a bit of the carry on vibe, which I think you'd understand a lot more we like yeah. I, I kind of we watch these carry-on movies and they are masterpieces i'm just like i want my life to be a carry-on movie i want it to be just uh, you know you know bit of slap and tickle the, slap and tickle looking at the camera and going oh like like you know like all that stuff is just so great whereas people now well, women are, loves it too everyone loves that shit it's not like anyone was offended yes and i don't know if animal house could be made today the negro stole our dates uh that, you know what they do in, in theaters now, like retro theaters? Someone will come out and say, this. to be clear, this movie was made in 1986 
There's a different context here that has to be kept. And they do it at museums too, speaking of killing art. There'll be a little piece of acetate on the, on the what do you call it, a mosaic? No, a thing where there's a models and stuff, life-size things um, in the glass, the guy selling something to an Indian. It'll have a piece of acetate that goes, in the context, this, this piece was made in uh, 1965. And we, we do recognize that the only Indians doing business with, um, with Peter Stuyvesant uh, are men. Yes, women also, but it's not true. Women didn't do business with the colonialists. It was only the Indian men. But they ruined that piece of art with their, their censorship. And now they're doing it to these National Lampoon movies. They're having disclaimers at the beginning. They're removing parts of the film. They're taking the N-word out of Mark Twain because they assume it's an offensive word in any context, which is illogical. They're taking the N-word out of the French connection. Yes, they have. Which they've edited, uh, you know, and that's a part, he's a cop in the seventies, like you know, and you can, and it's okay. Even if it was racist, leave it in; it happened, but it never is. Like when Elvis Costello is like one last white nigger, all of the zombies. He, he's talking about the treatment of Catholics in Britain, and now you've taken that out. No, because it's become it's become the knights who say knee from Monty Python. It's just become like a word, like, like, and like, you know, or, or everyone is just like, I don't know. Like it, it, it's, it, it, there's no people, it, this whole thing is just, it's is just crazy. Soviet. It's Marxist and it's anti-beauty. It's anti-art. Like at my kid's school here in the suburbs, they, well, north of here, they, um, they did Shakespeare. And I go, that's good. I'm happy. Finally. Uh, how many plays have you read? It's December. Oh, we've just been reading parts of of Romeo and Juliet. Okay, that's pretty pedestrian. <laughs> but uh, you haven't read the whole thing. It's not that many pages. Well, we're doing the play at school. I'm not, but they're doing the school's doing the play. They're doing two. Oh yeah, what are they? Romeo and Romeo is one, and then the other is Juliet and Juliet. <laughs> and I'm like, it's Finally. about warring families. <laughs> it's it has nothing to do with homosexuality. And, you know, Shakespeare had some strange relationships with some of the younger male actors. There may have been some homo things you could look into that are true. But Romeo and Romeo, it is not, you just wrecked the art. These Marxists always destroy beauty and make it worse, make it uglier. Well, we, we've we said it many times on, on this podcast, Gavin, that, that you know, we pose the question, what, what the hell happened to the punk rock spirit? You know, I feel like if Rage Against the Machine were were forming today, their main song would be "Fuck You, Do What They Tell You." They did, they did. They wouldn't let people come to their shows if they weren't vaccinated. I, I have read that. Yes, yes, I have read they that. Work hard for the state. All Antifa does. When when uh, all these modern anarchists work hard to support the vaccine and make sure everyone follows government mandates. Stay masked. <laughs> well, what what I want to know is is I mean, you were a punk rocker in your youth. Where has that contrarian spirit gone? And you know what else was true of of the early days? Well, I, my wave of punk was sort of post seventies. It was early eighties, and back then, and this went all the way up to the nineties. You'd have guys that were kind of right wing, like Fear, the band Fear, Gangrene with their American flags and Budweiser. You had Johnny Ramone, who was anti communist, really patriotic. There was a, a record label we were friends with the guy, Tom Hazelmeyer, Amphetamine Records, and he named his daughter Reagan. And there was no like, what the fuck did you say? It was just like, oh, that's him. He's the right wing guy. 
You know, I used to wear a T-shirt that said speak English with an American flag on it. And people would just roll their eyes. And they'd be like, oh, that's Gavin and his Archie Bunker shit. <laughs> but with Trump in 2015, it went from eye rolling like that's his belief to you can't come to Thanksgiving. Christmas is canceled. Uh, we are getting a divorce. So the punk spirit was extinguished very recently. I'd say eight years ago with Trump, the Trump derangement syndrome made them all go nuts and turn into these caterwauling lunatic ex-girlfriends who are addicted to meth and want to like hurt your family. Before that, there was troubles. There was political correctness, but it, it wasn't that bad. And then of course, the utopia was the 80s. It, the way I see it is like 90, early 90s it began, but it was esoteric and it was at colleges. And it was some purple, purple haired lesbian who doesn't want to shake your hand because you're male. We held them back at bay. I think vice was a big part of keeping that back. Then around 2005, I could feel my finger in the dike and I could see other cracks and I was getting nervous. That's when they fired the president of Harvard, Larry Summer. And they said, uh, he said, maybe women aren't into STEM because they're not into STEM. Maybe it's not our fault. Question mark, by the way, he said. He didn't say it as an affirmative. He was fired, and that's when things started to crumble. 95 to 2015, the rocks were falling, and then eventually 2015, the dam broke. And now it's the Marxists are winning. We're under the tyranny of the minority, the revenge of the nerds. And these losers we've been making fun of for so long have, oh, shit, my Rolex broke. Oh, no. That's your fault. Looks expensive too. <laughs> does. Right, Ryan, uh, get it fixed. <laughs> <laughs> Pins that hold them in are like 350 bucks. Just a little pin. You bastards. You, you're paying for this, I hope you realize. I, w I wouldn't know anything about a Rolex, Kevin. Uh, <laughs> I wouldn't even know about a Casio. Uh, so, you know, in the same vein, fairly recently you interviewed, uh, uh, oh, he's looking, are you looking for the pin? Found it. <laughs> there you go okay. you just saved yourself 350 I'm sure bucks quick, i'm sure it's a quick fix yeah i'm sure it's fine thank god anyway uh, in the same vein fairly recently you interviewed kanye west uh who and he's never going to come on this show so i can call him kanye west i don't have to call him yay uh who thinks who i think has harnessed the the, the punk rock spirit uh, and is making sort of transgressive art uh you know with his, some of his interviews uh, I mean, that interview he did with you was performance art uh, on every level. Uh, it's a weird question, but when I watched it, I was like, don't you think his outfit, that hooded mask and that, 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 that jacket, that, that kind of belongs in the Smithsonian? Yes, absolutely. Archie Bunker's chair is in the Smithsonian, and this was arguably a bigger impact, or Ye was at least. Uh, he's a really interesting guy. He's an artist. And I don't think people understand they're so sensitive, especially the anything Jewish related. They're so sensitive about any sort of transgression or any kind of split from the accepted narrative. You know, Hitler was bad. Six million Jews. You can't say anything but that. And so artists want to play with that. They want to go near the third rail. And this is nothing new. David Bowie would dress up as a Nazi and say he wants, you know, to, a, a World War Three, a Fourth Reich. He wants the Nazi party to reform in Britain. And then the next month, he's Ziggy Stardust and he's got a lightning bolt on his face. You know, this is the same with Kanye. He's already said he's he loves Jews now because he saw he saw a movie. There's some box on the screen here, Ryan. It's bugging me. What is that? Ryan? Are you asleep? <laughs> no, he's fixing the Rolex. 
You fell asleep. <laughs> he claims he has the new COVID. Get rid of this box that's next to me. Holy shit, my producer fell asleep. <laughs> A new father. It looks like he works out as well. His kid's like five, dude. Um, <laughs> so, uh, not a real day. <clears throat> yeah, I, I wouldn't, I don't see Ye as an anti Semite. That's very simplistic. That's taking the bait. Uh, I think he's already moved on from that particular phase and he just does weird art. And you know what was interesting about his art experiment? He said Jews have too much control. They, uh, and they use, they use it with reckless abandon. And then his bank accounts are shut down to the tune of 400 million. His life is in danger. Uh, he can't see his wife and kids. And they're trying to put him in a mental institution, like physically force him into this, the gurney and push him into a mental institution. So his art experiment worked. Look, the, a, lot, a lot's been made of, of his anti-Semitic remarks, and, and you certainly... Uh, uh, valiantly pushed on in that in that way, but there, but there's some there's one comment that he said that that has received no pushback at all. Uh, he, here it is: "Quote: When I was in the Kardashian family, I had no say so about where we had Christmas. There was only one time when I got to design the Christmas party. I mean, isn't that the real bigotry, Gavin? Shouldn't Kim have let Ye design Christmas? Yeah, he would have done a better <laughs> job. I don't think he's that great of a designer, by the way. Like that interview we did." He decided to take control and I've like got this fat Fetterman neck and now I've got a profile where I look like shit. And then he's got another camera that's like 15 feet in the air and then another camera that's way over there. And the guy he's having as a cameraman is a paparazzi that he took under, under his wing. And you got to understand in Hollywood, paparazzi are like the scum of the earth. They're literal crackheads and homeless people that can take a beating. So they'll say, we'll give you a hundred bucks for a picture of Jennifer Aniston and her Israeli security guards are going to tune him up. He's like, I got my hundred bucks. Like they're <laughs> junkie losers <laughs> who smell bad. So he's got basically a homeless man doing the thing. And it, Did he it pick the like, location as well? Yeah, he was very particular about the location. It was in his big fashion warehouse, right. but he wanted it to look really sort of cement. So he chose a strange part of the place, which was 80 degrees. I don't know how he survives in that snowmobile jacket and that hat weather i mean the guy's really likable and once we started making sex jokes we got along really well i find that works with a lot of black people um but this idea of like this evil you know holocaust denying threat is just if i was jewish and that shit was going down back then i would have been like guys 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 let's just let it go it's not indicative of a pattern you know there's going to be no synagogues you know uh, destroyed in the name of yay so let's not make ourselves look like exactly what everyone's saying and take the bait here but a lot of the people who, a lot of the people who I've talked to, who, who or, or I've witnessed as well, that have made comments about the stuff he said, I'm like, you, they don't care about anti-Semitism. Like, like, like it's, it's, a, it's not a thing that a lot of some of the people who have been, oh, like, like people are just saying, oh yeah, Kanye West, he's, he's an anti. I'm like, yeah, but like this person's never, who I'm talking to has never cared about anything. They don't, they don't care about about Israel or any of that. A lot of Jews don't care about anti-Semitism. Like these secular Jews, they don't like Israel. And if you, if you were to do a pro-Israeli talk at a college right now, you'd probably get as much flack as if, as if you wanted to do a Nazi talk at a college right now. They're seen as the same. In fact, they call Israelis Nazis. And the secular Jews in America who talk about anti-Semitism all the time could not give less of a shit. And nor do they care about Ilhan Omar and uh, that Palestinian chick whose name I always forget, Linda Sarsour. 
They don't care about any of that stuff. They love Islam. Muslims are welcome here. Refugees are welcome here. Well, while we're still on the subject of, of, of Kanye, I feel like you and Kanye are similar in that you're both kind of jester-like trickster figures. Do you see yourself in Kanye a little bit? Is that is that why you tried to talk him out of his Jewish conspiracies? Yeah. I mean, to be totally honest, part of me doing that was showing people that I'm not anti-Semitic. I used him as a little a platform to... He did yeah. rehabilitate you, like, like, <laughs> like, like, like it's it, it totally worked because right, because when you sit next to him, it, it, it was clear that he is on he's on another planet, you know. Yeah, I sort of used him as a shield against the Jew fire and threw him. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's tricky when you say that, like, oh, he's a comedian; he's just kidding. Well, that would be if I had a character who was called Klansman Kenny. And I was just like, welcome back, boys. We got these fucking Jews and niggers coming in here, and we're going to talk about getting rid of them tomorrow. Then you go, he's just doing a character. He doesn't really mean those things. But I do mean what I say. I just should be allowed to say it in, in as colorful a way as I want. Like when a, a comedian gets on stage and he says, people with flip-flops, they're everywhere. When I'm president, you are going to be forced to eat your flip-flops at gunpoint. I'll bring in the National Guard. And you'll be forced to eat them. Uh, hook, line, everything. The, the tong, everything. Now, that guy who said that hates flip-flops. And he does. it does bring a visceral anger to him when he walks down the street. I feel like you guys in Australia might be yeah. wearing... Don't, 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 don't come here. Don't come here. They're yeah. not called flip-flops. They're called thongs. They right? are. Thongs? Yes. Thong, 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 thong. Yes, <laughs> yes. exactly. Well, when that song came out, we were like, what the hell? The yeah. I love sandals. but so the the comedian who said that hates flip-flops but he said it in a fun silly way that everyone understood you know but in america we're so hungry for that first guy that that clansman ken that you just crowbar everything in there like here's a i'll try not to drag this out too long but when when my eldest boy was like six we were watching a bunch of nature documentaries and there was a monkey on there and he didn't realize that these are just monkeys filmed in the wild he thought they were actors who were hired to portray this nature documentary so he sees this i don't know cappuccino monkey and he goes oh he had a little lisp when he was a kid to talk like that and he goes oh that's my favorite monkey actress <laughs> my wife and i crack up like an elephant actor is in this movie and uh, at the same time jada pinkett smith said that oscar's so white and you know, we have a problem in, in Hollywood where we only allow white people to win and blacks are punished and they never win Oscars. And there wasn't one black director that year nominated for an Oscar. And we looked it up and it, blacks are 14% of the population and they're almost exactly, and this is probably by design, 14% of the Oscar winners. So she's just being a whiny bitch who wanted America to be racist. And it's ironic because I told those two stories together and then I said something like, uh, Jada Pinkett Smith's my favorite monkey actress. Um, mocking her view of how America sees her, right? All that nuance was removed. And they say Gavin McInnes called Jada Pinkett Smith a monkey. Mm. And so this mm. character that they're portraying is a character they want to exist because it, it justifies their narrative. But they want me like in the theater going, why the fuck we got a monkey on the screen? <laughs> I want to come here to see a movie. I don't want no monkey running around in a dress. Get her out of here. They do think that those people do 
wish that it was in the, that movie in the heat of the night that that was the world yes. we lived in and it was like you know they call me mr tibbs they 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 they, they want that reality you know dude they want it so bad i once said the the demand for nazis in this country clearly doesn't meet the supply that's crystal clear what i mean there that even that sentence itself talk about meta that was contorted into gavin thinks there should be more nazis we have to increase the supply like they forced themselves into this and then you're forced to defend a, a viewpoint you have no interest in well, you know, we, we can't keep you for forever, Gavin, but before we start wrapping up, I feel we have to ask about census, uh, uh, um, your website because we're having trouble watching your videos. So how, how really? can we, how can we, well, yeah, yeah. I just went on, on, um, uh, on the thing and I get this weird message. TV. Did you forget the name of it? Well, I did while I was talking and I was like, this is embarrassing. <laughs> I, thing. I tried to get on thing. <laughs> thing dot, dot, uh, it, it does come up with a with a thing that says that you can't you can't view it for for some yeah, reason. Yeah, it says the format's wrong or something. Some stupid message like on some of the preview videos. And I was like, what? Well, let me call my guy right now because sometimes individual things will block it. Well, we were thinking about is is the censorship of have, have, have the Australian government? Oh, absolutely sort of. censorship. But I want to get to the bottom of who, like, is it that one internet provider, or is it like uh, the entire country has a mandate? Huh? Hey, man, uh, hey. you're on the air, so don't describe your your face. Um, <laughs> I'm talking to these two Australian dudes that say when they get to censored.tv, what does it say, guys? The, I, I click on any preview video, right, uh, and it says the media could not be loaded either because the server or network failed or because the format is not supported. Format is not supported or server or network failed. I'll send you a picture Are later. Are you guys on Telstra? Uh, no, I'm with uh, uh, a server. Uh, IINet is the ISP. Yes. And, yeah, so that's who they're – that's one of the biggest things. IINet, yeah. IINet they're on. Okay, I'll have to check them. We're banned on like two big ISPs in Australia, Telstra and somebody else. Banned, like irrevocably banned. Wow, that's crazy. How we fix it, we got to do it. We got to do a change and it should fix it again until they ban us again. What if they, uh, so you do some sort of hack. What if uh, they get the app? Uh, that could work because they come from different places from the app. So yeah. yeah, so get the app, guys. Okay, we'll, we'll do oh. that. And let me know too. Yeah, e email in mailbag at censored.tv and I'll forward it to him and set you guys up. Right, thank you. Oh, that's fantastic because you know we we I'm 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 really want I'm going to sign up, Gavin. It only, it only took you, you know, almost ten years to get me, but <laughs> you've gotten me, and I'm going to front up my cash. So that's the lesson out there, people. You've just got to make content for most of your life, and then eventually someone will give you ten dollars. Yeah, I mean, we've got 25,000 subs now. I'm very happy with that, but it should be 100,000 at least. And every time I get stopped in the street, people go, I love what you're doing. Whatever happened to you? I'm like, I'm on, I carry around cards that say censor.tv, sign up for free, use promo code one month. To be fair, uh, I, I forgot the name. All day. What? To be fair, <laughs> I forgot the name. Like, you know, from the yeah. beginning of the show, I forgot the name. Well, so. we've already been sued. It was freespeech.tv, but we got sued for that. You know, we, we have all these back-end tech troubles like the ones you just described. It really is a constant war. I must be right over the target because they're doing absolutely everything they can to make sure I'm not heard. Well, what I love about your work, Gavin, is uh, 
it, 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 you make me feel, and this is a good thing. It makes me feel like I'm in the nineties again. Do you know what I mean? Like, and your, yeah. your comedy and that show, uh, your, your website and all the people and, and hearing Ryan, all the stuff you guys do. I'm just like, this is what it was like. Like, I know you don't like Andrew Dice Clay, but still like when I was young, like, you know, listening to him or someone, they'd be offensive and, and it's all good. And, and, and you know, that was around and that was comedy and whatever. And, and, and I feel like you're, you're really keeping it alive, you know? Yeah, and you know what was cool about the 90s? It could go too far and you would say, I don't like that. Yeah. Like I remember yeah. the, the rape issue of Answer Me, Jim Goad's old magazine. And when that came out, I was like, I don't like that. I don't want that. So I decided for myself that this was my line and I don't want to go past that line. And now you don't get to decide what the line is. The lines are made for you and the line's way back here. Like anyone who watches my show, it, the way it's been portrayed, you think it would be all about blacks and the Holocaust. And it's just a, it's a silly comedy show where we do sketches. And like today I said, I, I did a segment, 10 people that aren't who you think they are, dudes who are someone else. Like Henry Rollins looks like a tough dude. He's more like Janine Garofalo or Drake. <laughs> He's a nerdy Jewish kid from Toronto or um, like Chris Cuomo thinks he's this tough guy. He's the situation. He was, he thinks he's in the mob. His grandfather on his mother's side was a failed arsonist for the mob who did such a bad job. The mob put him in the hospital and cut his head off. Well, they scalped him. So his flap was hanging down. That's me in the mob. Your, your grandfather failing at arson. One of the bits I showed my wife recently, I think is a good in, indic, indicative of, of, of some of the content you got on there. You said in a, in a, it was a top 10 or top five you're doing. You said that a controversial idea and you said that uh, cheap towels are better than expensive towels. <laughs> and and, 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 I, and I, was, I was screaming. I was like, yes. I was like, yes. And I showed my wife. I said, I said, isn't this fucking true? I said, when you get those, exposed, those luxurious ones, you, nothing happens. You just rub them all over you. And the water, you might nothing as well happens. rub your body with a shower curtain. If you're ever on vacation and you see a novelty towel, like it says flip-flop towel yeah. or something, or it has a picture of a cowboy going like that saying, Welcome to fucking, I don't know, an Australian beach. Uh, <laughs> buy that. And you will put that on your body and it will the water will jump off into the towel. The cheaper, the more novelty the towel, the more effective it is. Mm. Towels are for losers. I, I think there's a whole Curb Your Enthusiasm episode on, on towels, yeah. Oh, I got a great idea for Curb Your Enthusiasm if I ever meet Larry David. He's, someone is in the pool and they're at the bar and they're drinking beer and he notices that other people are getting up to pee but he's been watching this guy and he's had four beers and had to run up to this once. So Larry comes over, he kneels down. He's like, couldn't help but uh, notice that uh, you haven't been using the bathroom very much. He's like, yeah, so what? what? What of it? Well, get the idea that you're going in the pool. What? Fuck you. And then they get into an argument. This is such a Gavin problem. Where to piss, how to piss, drinking. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe he discovers the guy has a, he gets out of the pool and he has a colostomy bag. And he's been pissing into oh, the closet. That's yes. good. That, <laughs> that is, is good. good. <laughs> that could totally work. I, I have heard that Larry absolutely hates it when people come up to him and, and pitch him ideas for the show. Oh, so really? I, yes, Even I've heard. He, he, he will shut them down and walk away. He's like, do not talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe you can break through, Gavin. Maybe you've got the touch. I don't know. Yeah, well, he'll say, I'm not interested. And I'll yell it as he's walking away. And it'll be like that commercial where the – athlete throws the kid the towel in the locker room like he'll stop and just go it's actually not bad get over here 
But he, we'll be, don't, don't you think? Don't I know that like that the Hollywood liberals to protect themselves have to have to shun you, like they have to do twelve angry men and just turn their back on you. But but like, don't you think on some level he rec- he would even he would recognize that you know he would be jealous of 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 the stuff of your freedom. You know yes, what I mean? Like because yes. he he had that episode MAGA episode, so he so he gets it on some level that there's taboos, there's lines being drawn that he wishes. That like, because you meet people now, you meet young people now and shit who who they can't stand Seinfeld. They're like, oh, gee, that's it's a bit much. And you just he's go, been punished too. Like I remember reading that one of his seasons was this terrible season, and I think that's weird. All his seasons are perfect. Why did he? so? I look it up, and I realize about two episodes in, oh, it's because it's Muslims being bashed. He had a fatwa out on him, yes. and then Salman Rushdie tells him about fatwa sex. It's the funniest comedy that's ever been done, but the left didn't like it because they were worried it would offend Allah. Mm. And well, so he, he has that- some understanding of what it's like to be cancelled. Yeah, well, he has a great episode about the Palestinian chicken, which is great too, where you know he gets the hots for this Palestinian chick. You know, that was the last like month Gina Gershon was hot, and she lost her looks maybe two weeks after that episode. Oh, see, this is what this is why everyone's got to get on. Go. That that is so true. That is shit. But then again, she, she was like so hot for so long. It was a ten. The bow, the inbound, just like the hottest ever. It is amazing life. the way women just poof one day. Well, well, I know I'm just sort of giving you things that I love that you do, but this is the last one I'll do. Yeah, you, this is this is genius. This is why you're like a, you're a frustrated inventor because you said that wouldn't it be great to have a magazine um dedicated to six oh yes and yes. you said it should be called six magazine <laughs> and, and then she should be really happy that she's oh i just got on scene six magazine would she brag though would she be like look i'm on the cover of six magazine do you know a woman would be happy about being on the cover of four although if she was a four she might be like all right that's not bad i'm the best four around but six <laughs> is really good like it's oh, really really good man you, you know? don't want an eight. Imagine the nightmare of an eight. Your friend's ogling her. Ugh. Seven is the most you want to go with. Seven point five is too almost too much. I think it's fantastic. Uh, wait, did, what did you? This is we're going off tangents. We will end shortly. But but did you uh, ever follow Kevin Samuels at all? Yeah, Kevin Samuels. He's the guy um, uh, who was. He, he's an image consultant, but he, he would, yeah. yeah, he would consult with women about uh, relationships and dating, and and he would he had his show on Instagram, and oh uh, yeah, 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 the guy who mysteriously died, yeah, right yes. after he was popular, but apparently yeah. he died like with a with a with a chick, like <laughs> with a young chick. She, you know, that was the I sex day, like the sex was too much Black for him. Guy with Buddy Holly glasses who looks like a Cadbury cream egg. We could have mm. saved me googling it there. Well, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> but but I thought I thought you'd be on to him because he he was big onto asking you know he brought that whole asking you know, getting women to be a bit more realistic or getting everyone to be a bit more realistic about where they're at you know and say are you a, he'd say rate yourself from one to ten you know n- natural hair no no none of that stuff uh, you can't use seven you know yeah it, it, women black women especially always say nine or ten and they're like I'm a ten to me and you're like yeah that's not how it works we we didn't say do you like yourself. We're talking about, there used to be a website called hotornot.com and it would say, you are a 6.82. And that is based on 382,000 people. And you're like, guess I'm a 6.82. That's a, that's a hell of a consensus. Because isn't that, that's what Pearl says on, on, um, on uh, you know, uh, she says that, uh, you know, if you're a 10, 
that's a modeling contract. Like, like you will be, that's when you hear you'll those be stories. Discovered. You'll be discovered. Yeah, you'll be in an ice cream parlor and someone will go, oh, excuse me, would you like, I need you to be on S, the cover of L this week. Yeah, if you're, you're a amazing. 10 and you're not a movie star or a supermodel, you've been under quarantine. Someone's hiding you in their basement. Like you wouldn't last a day walking down the street in any major city without some scout tackling you and getting you a contract. Mm. They don't, their, their confidence is way too high, these young people. They, they, got, they definitely have a self-esteem problem, but the self-esteem is too high. Well, uh, Gavin, I want to give you the final word. Uh, you know, uh, it's hard to, to sum up today, uh, but, but you, the final words you say on your show, you know, may, explain why that's so important. Well, I, I would just, my session the past few days has been like, make, don't take. We, we spend so much time critiquing other people's work and talking about what this person did and what that person did. Stop talking about what other people did. Do. Make your own thing. Create your own content. Make your own art. Have your own accomplishments. So much of modern culture is just looking at what someone else did and then someone else is talking about that. Like you'll have something like, uh, I don't know, the yay interview and there'll be someone commenting on it and there'll be someone commenting on the commenting and there'll be someone commenting on the commenting on the commenting. It's the same with films and sequels. Like we need some original stuff. Instead of documenting everything, go create something that's going to be documented. But I end my show with, I say, get fired, get in trouble, be brave and never stop fighting. And when I say get fired, I mean, I don't mean kick your boss in the nuts. I say, you know, be yourself. If you're a Trump supporter and people are shitting on Trump, d don't hide it. You don't have to say, I love Trump. You could just say, well, I don't know. I think he, he might, his, his personality is abrasive. I get that. But some of his policies like, seem to, to work for the country. You know, or you're going to, you keep that inside how you really feel and it's going to develop like a cancer. And then people go, well, I can't afford to be me. I'd lose my job. I got kids. Yeah, lose your job. You'll get another job. Trust me. And that links to get in trouble. You know, if, if you're at a discussion at a pub and people are saying things you think is bullshit, go, that's not even true. The Central Park Five were not exonerated by DNA. That's a lie. It might make someone mad. It might start some shit. Okay, get in trouble, you know. Um, be brave. And, and the, the most important part at the end is never stop fighting. You can't give in. They're banking on you giving in. And if you keep fighting, you wear them down. You're, this bully, by the way, that's attacking you is not Mike Tyson. This is like Master Blaster from Mad Max, but without Blaster. Ma <laughs> Master doesn't run Bartertown. You run Bartertown. And I think you know, a midget who's sitting on a retard's shoulders. <laughs> uh, we can't top that. Yeah, yes, you run, you run about it down. Uh, thank you so much, Gavin, for today. Cheers, guys. Great talking to you. Keep in touch. Thank you for listening to the New Flesh Podcast. If you like our work, please consider rating us on Apple Podcasts or even writing us a review. It really does help the show reach a wider audience. We'll be back with another episode next week. Until then, long live the New Flesh.